Welcome to Connect the Dots, a podcast for hungry individuals that love to stay curious, who crave for knowledge, and have an insatiable appetite for growth. My name is Alex Lin. I have coached incredible individuals from around the world and noticed something. Everyone has a story from which someone else can benefit. Why dabble and wait to make mistakes yourself when you can save so much time and learn from the experiences of others? In this podcast, I'll share deeply insightful conversations, acquired wisdom, and proven strategies so you can quickly achieve what you want in your business, relationship, health, and personal development. Nina, welcome to the show. How are you today? Great. Doing well. It's good to be here. Awesome. So for those of you who are tuning in, we have Nina Sherburn joining me, and she is from uh, Minneapolis, okay? Um, For those of you who don't know Nina, she's fantastic. She is an awesome person. You definitely want to get to know her. Um, As a founder of Mighty Oaks Parenting LLC, Nina believes in a world where all children, parents, and caregivers are treated with respect, celebrated for being their complex, authentic selves. As a former preschool and family ed teacher, now parent coach, Nina provides compassionate guidance on navigating the struggles of raising infant and young children. She offers one-on-one coaching, in-home visits, and group learning experiences. Nina is a lover of nature hikes, embroidery, and stained glass art, and she lives on the bluffs of the Mississippi River in Minneapolis with her husband, Charlie. The two are expecting a little one in August of this year. So we're super excited to have you. Thank you for joining me, Nina. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's always fun to talk with you. I'm really excited about today. Awesome. So we got this stuff going on here with COVID and I know today is March 26, 2020. COVID or no COVID, dealing with children at home can be tough sometimes, correct? True. That's true. Yep. Even when everything is working perfectly. For sure. And so what I would love to know, and and I want to dive into this, this meat that you're going to give us because we're so excited to hear what you have to share. How do we manage the emotions that come with all this? Because I can imagine, you know, parents are going, they're pulling their hairs out, you know, uh, they're getting frustrated. They don't know what to do. They're, They're losing it. Right. So how do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's the emotions that parents are experiencing right now and the emotions that their children are experiencing. Um, I'd say to start, the first thing is for parents to focus on self-care. They cannot provide a calm, peaceful atmosphere in their home for their children if they themselves are feeling anxious anxious and stressed inside. So I think it is so important for everyone to just really slow down in this moment and tune into themselves and say, what do I need? What do I need to, to feel better? Is it a walk through the park by myself? Is it calling a friend while my partner watches the kids? Um, really putting the focus on self-care so that you are grounded you are feeling peaceful, you feel like you can, you know, handle what's coming your way. And that's going to make you such a better parent and be able to meet your kids where they're at with all of their strong emotions. Nice. Nice. So with that, actually, I'm curious to know, having or practicing self-care isn't always easy. 
And True. sometimes, even for me as a parent, I feel guilty, you know, saying, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can leave my kid with someone else just to take a break. So, so what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very common feeling to have. I know there's, there's a lot of guilt out there, especially in this age that we live in where our lives are so fast paced. We're expected to do a lot, show up quickly, respond to emails instantly. There's just a lot that we have um, sitting on our shoulders. But, you know, for me, it's always been the experience that if I try to ignore this feeling that I'm having, that I'm just really exhausted or um, my um, capacity for handling stress is really low. The more I ignore that and the more I push that away, it gets stronger. It, you know, it, it never actually just disappears on its own. And if I try and push that away, it's going to bubble up in other places. I'm going to get in an argument with my husband or uh, I'm not going to be productive at work. And so just kind of sitting back and taking stock of, okay, what am I experiencing right now? And then how is that impacting all the aspects of my life? And when you look at it, you realize that it's not healthy to ignore when you're feeling not so great. So it's, it's a good way to measure, okay, if I were to just take 30 minutes for myself, or maybe, especially if you have really young children who demand a lot of physical attention, um, if it's five minutes or 10 minutes where you just take a hot shower, you're going to have a way more productive next 10 hours of your life than if you were just trying to push through. So remembering kind of the costs and benefits to addressing your needs versus ignoring your needs. Yeah, for sure. And I think that really hits the point to, um, I think it was Rich Littman who said, slow down to speed up, right? Exactly. And so taking that hot shower, taking a moment to really collect yourself. And it, what I've noticed is that emotions is another way of saying kind of energy in motion, right? Yeah. And so as you, as you described it, you know, you need to put that somewhere. You can't keep it in and ball it up because I mean, if you think about it, you keep adding pressure to a bottle, it's going to explode sometime, right? Um, and so really direct it into a way that's productive, useful, helpful, even loving, right? Yep. Awesome. Yep. And so with the kids and their emotions, like obviously some kids may not be able to express themselves. How do you figure a way out to really get to know what they need and give them what they actually need? Yeah, great question. So I think it's important to remember that we all have this really primal need for attachment. It's essential to being a mammal. And research has shown us that attachment, the need for that attachment is really activated most under stress and threat. So that's true for adults. That's also true for kids. So the first thing is just recognizing that they're going to need a lot more from us right now in this moment than they normally do. And especially if, you know, children are out of school, they're not seeing their friends, they're witnessing their parents and caregivers hoard toilet paper and have the news on all day long. They know that something is really off. And so that need for attachment is gonna be really activated. For some kids, that's gonna show up with them wanting to snuggle a whole lot. They're gonna wanna read a book with you all day long. Maybe they're gonna follow you around the house and be at your feet while you're washing the dishes and doing the laundry and they're always gonna be right there. 
For other kids, they're actually going to push back. So that might mean that they're having more meltdowns than normal. They're having bigger tantrums than they often do. Maybe they're saying really mean things. You know, if you've got a five-year-old who's just discovered a bunch of really uh, powerful words, <laughs> they're going to use those. They're going to employ those. And it is this test subconsciously. It's always really important for us to remember as adults that this is subconscious, that they are asking with their behavior, can I trust you to stick with me during this really stressful time? Can you keep it together while I feel like I need to fall apart? So it's paying attention to, like, you know, parents know their kids. They know what they do when they're really stressed out. They know the things that make them feel good. But it is going to shift and it is going to change a little bit um, in these new circumstances that we're living in. So if things get worse, it's like, okay, that's a time to really slow down and figure out what's the need behind that behavior. So for instance, if your kid is following you around and at your feet all day long and uh, never gives you any space, there's probably some fear there, right? There's, there's fear, there's a need of, I, know, I need to know that I feel safe, that I am safe, that you can keep me safe. So if you can recognize the need behind the behavior, then you can pause for just a second and think, okay, what could I do? What could we do as a family to heighten that sense of safety or heighten that sense of connection, togetherness, uh, resilience, whatever it is. Nice. And so I'm going to throw this real life situation for you. And this is happening to me at this very moment yeah. where my child is going around the house clinging on to her mom. Okay. And she's saying, mommy, mommy, I want you. I want you. But yet she doesn't know how to express herself yet because she, at the time she's only two now. Um, yeah. And she says, I really want you. And although you hold her, she's still crying. She's still nagging. Um, you try to give her that safety, but yet it's not appeasing that need for safety mm -hmm. or, or trust. So how do you think I could approach that and, and really help my child? Yeah. So could I ask you a few more questions of about course. that just to yeah. really get to the, the meaty details of what sure. she's feeling? Um, what is that like when she is asking to be picked up and held and one of you will pick her up and hold her? What happens in that moment? What's being said? What are the, um, what are the things that she's experiencing? For sure. So when she is coming, she either is at, I guess, a state of boredom, right? We've, we've given her all the toys that she needs. She's painting. She's playing with baby shark here and there. Um, <laughs> but it gets to a point where she doesn't want to do it anymore. And she just wants mm -hmm. to cling on to somebody. And so she'll go around to the counter and just kind of tug at, uh, I guess, my wife's, you know, pants or shorts or whatever she's wearing. And she's, she's saying, you know, mommy, mommy, I want you. And once we pick her up, she, she kind of stops, looks around, and we give her that reassurance that it's okay, you know, we're here. We kind of play with her a little bit. And then it kind of goes on with her day where she just kind of forgets what that tantrum or that little insecurity was. Hmm. Now, I want to say it kind of solves itself, yes. But at the same time, I'm wondering if there's a more effective way to, to handle that. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I think you're handling it perfectly. That's a, it's wonderful that when she comes to you with this need and this specific ask that you're pausing what you're doing and, and giving her that thing that she's asking for. And there's a way that you can uh, make the most of that time, which is to really, 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 and sometimes when we think, you know, when we look at how we respond to children, it's like, are we giving our full attention in those mm. moments? So if it is, let's say that you're preparing dinner and she comes over and, you know, mommy, mommy, I need to be held, um, picking her up and having her on your hip while continuing to prepare dinner is a split of your attention. And in that moment, she's probably asking, can I have it all? I need all of your attention. And it's always fun to watch when, you know, when we try and go about our, our tasks and continue multitasking and give them attention while we do this other thing, that need that they have often persists much longer than if we were to really set everything down, tune all of our focus into them. Um, often that moment lasts so much, uh, it's so much shorter. Yeah. And so I'd say full attention in that moment. And then just acknowledging whatever you hear without feeling the need to fix it. So if a child says, I'm really bored or I'm really upset, the response can be, oh, wow, you are really bored right now. It sounds, or it sounds like you're really upset. And we want to jump in, we want to help them, we want to fix it, we want to give them solutions, we want to move the situation forward, right? So we might, if they're bored, we want to suggest all of the things that they could do. Or if they're, you know, feeling really angry, we want to help them know how they can feel happy again. But sometimes what they really need is for us just to hear them. And, oh, you are so bored. I wonder what it is that you're going to decide to do. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, well, I don't know. I played with all my toys. And, you know, she's probably not this verbal at, at two, but in a way it's like, you know, I don't know. I've played with all my toys. I've done all the things I want to do. Um, and I feel like there's nothing left. Yeah. You really feel like there's nothing left. And just continuing to acknowledge and give the space for them to come up with a solution. And so often they will. They've got it in there. And then that's building all these wonderful skills of, problem solving, self-competence, you know, competence, self-confidence. Um, so yeah, I'd say just really meeting them where they're at and giving them full attention. Wow. No, that's, that's really powerful. Thank you for that. Now, now that you think about it, I've, I've heard, I've learned, I use this in my personal coaching as well are, you know, the three principles and, and this whole concept of innate intelligence. Mm. Right? And so as we give the space to not only adults to actually think, and let the thoughts come in and then go and then a new thought comes in you're saying even with kids as you acknowledge them you give them that that breathing room to say okay yep i feel like this but i don't need to anymore and maybe there's another thought that'll come mm -hmm. and then once you give them that space you give them that trust you give them that attention and oh my god that whole point of you know giving the full attention to really shorten that span of i guess not fighting but you know dealing with it really helps them. So thank you for that. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the one of the foundations of the philosophy that I follow is that 
children are whole people from the day that they're born and deserve to be treated as such. And when we look at our actions throughout the day, are we really living like that? Do we, do we speak to them in a way that um, shows that that's what we believe? Yeah. Awesome. And I love that concept of treating them as a whole human being, because mm -hmm. even though they're these minuscule little tiny people, they're just as smart or as important as we are as big people, right? Definitely. Awesome. Oh, I love that methodology there. And so treating them as adults, there are certain things that we need to explain to them, especially with, you know, kids who go to school and they're not able to anymore. Mm -hmm. What's the most effective way to convey that to them and, and really get them to get a grasp on what's going on with today's situation and that they can't see their friends or they can't go to the playgrounds. I mean, even my kid wants to go to the aquarium and I say, sorry, honey, we got to go now in a few weeks. So, so what's, what's your take on that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say, first of all, it's really important to be honest and really answer any questions that are coming your way with the information that you have. And you always want to make your answers age appropriate, but you don't want to hold anything back um, because they will sense that. They will sense if you're trying to sugarcoat something, if you're not giving all of the information. And that's going to create a real sense of distrust and um, you know, uneasiness. I'm not quite sure, you know, my, I've got all these feelings and I know that there's something going wrong, but if I'm being told everything's going to be okay, those things don't match up mm -hmm. and it's going to create this really weird feeling in them. So I'd say, first of all, to be honest, um, answer their questions, but do so in a way that is age appropriate. So you can say that people are getting sick right now, but we're staying home to remain healthy. And you could actually name all of the people who are doing the exact same thing. So your friends that you normally see at these places, they're staying home too. Grandma, she's staying home, she's feeling well. Your teachers that you usually see at school, they're at their homes right now and they are staying healthy. So you can acknowledge exactly what it is that they're asking about and what they're fearing. Um, really make space for that, get curious about what it is that they want to know, answer the question fully, and then you can add on to the other side. Here's what's being done. Here's how we are, um, you know, staying safe as a family. Here's how the people that you know are staying safe. And, and again, if they ask, you know, when do we get to go back to the aquarium? When do I get to go back to school? When do we get to go to the park again? You can just say, you know, I don't know, but here's who's going to tell us. They're going to tell me. And once I get that answer, I'll tell you. So you can reassure them that there's this line of communication that's set up and they're going to get the answer when they need to get the answer. So you know, the aquarium will send us an email, then I know it's open again, and I will tell you, and then we can choose a day to go. And, um, and then also turning the conversation to what's being done to help. So you can name all of the helpers out there who are jumping in to make our situation better. You can talk about the doctors, you can talk about, um, you can also focus on what families around the country are doing to help out the situation and you can get your family involved as well. And this will look different depending on how old your children are. But if they're old enough to help 
sew masks and donate them to hospitals, that's an actionable thing that they can do to create a sense of safety, resilience, um, you know, wellness, connection, community, all of those things. And, and maybe if you've got younger kids, it could be as simple as um, doing the grocery shopping for elders in your family, bringing your child along. And do you remember what grandpa's favorite cereal is? Let's go find that. Okay, we'll put that in the cart and then we're going to make sure to get that cereal box into the bag that's going to go to you know, his house and then being part of that process. And good, now grandpa's got food. He's healthy. He's happy. He's, you know, he's fed. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. It really does. Thank you for that. And so there are three things that are really resonating for me there. It's a sense of unity, a sense of community, and really a sense of hope. Yes. I mean, for these kids, they're looking for that, although they can't express it to us. But it's so nice to hear, especially coming from you, what, what kids need to hear and what they need to see and be involved in in order to feel, I guess, fulfilled, purposeful, and, and happy, right? Yeah. And, and so with that, you know, even, even though I want to take my child to the grocery store and help out, this is all part of a routine, right? Routinely, we would go to the grocery store. We would buy, you know, milk and bread and eggs. And yes, you know, I, I admit I would take my daughter with me, maybe not nowadays just because of what's going yes, on. Yes, of course. It, it, you're right. It's so right when you say that having them be part of that whole journey really makes them feel happy and wanted and trusted and, and all that. Mm-hmm. So, and that's you know, a really good point that you brought up about um, balancing the ability to have them a part of these routines versus knowing what they're going to be exposed to if they do go to the grocery store. So, you know, maybe that's possible in some communities, maybe it's not in others. And instead, maybe it's that you do the grocery shopping, you bring everything home, and then you sort into piles the things that are staying at your house. So that one, you're keeping your child safe and away from all the germs at the grocery store, but also so they don't have to see all of this weird chaos that's going on out in the world. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and speaking to the whole routine, you know, mm-hmm. kids, what I've heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they like structure. Even adults like structure to some mm-hmm. degree, right? Um, but being out of school, not going regularly to their scheduled classes, this can be tough for especially a toddler. So how, do, how would you suggest dealing with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, it's true that kids thrive on predictability and routine and they really need those things to help them feel safe and like they know where they're going so just as we have lines painted on the road and a sign in the highway that says your exit is coming up in one mile um, kids really appreciate knowing what is expected what's um you know, what is life going to look like for them? How are people going to respond to me if, um, you know, a routine could be something as simple as if I have a meltdown, how are my parents going to respond? If they respond in the same way every single time, that's predictable for me. Um, But yeah, going back to routines. So you want to keep, you want to keep some structure and rhythm to your day, but it's going to look different 
than it did before this moment we're in. Nobody has lived in this time that we're in right now. No one has experienced anything like this. Everything is new. So we're going to have to ditch some old things. We're going to have to make up some new things. And we're going to try and hold on to the stuff that's really important that we know helps our family thrive. But in doing so, I'd say start simple. First of all, just know that we all need some decompression time. And if you loosen up on your routines for a bit and you're not having as much happen in your day as before, that's totally okay. We all need this decompression time. And then when you're thinking about putting a daily or a weekly schedule together for your family, keep it really simple um, and think about having balance of high activity times and low activity times, together times and separate times, outside times, inside times. You wanna create this, this flow, this balance. And um, the Waldorf educational philosophy has this really wonderful image that they use when creating routines of in-breath and out-breath. So an in-breath is when you're coming together, you're coming in close, you're sitting around the dinner table, you're reading books before bed. It's when you're in a shared space, a shared time, a shared activity, and your kind of movements and uh, actions are really controlled. So that's sort of an in-breath. And then an out-breath is exactly the opposite. There's freedom. There's less of a plan. There's lots of movement. It's Those activities are bigger, they're louder, um, and they're a lot less controlled. So that's running around at the park. That's having unstructured, independent play. That's even taking out all of your craft supplies and Legos and dumping them on the living room floor. So, um, so in general, you can think of your daily routine and your weekly routine as having blocks of time. And these blocks of time are flowing from in-breath to out-breath. And again, keeping things simple. You can always add more to your structure, so start really easy. And that can be, you know, we're gonna wake up and we're gonna get dressed. Then we're gonna have breakfast. Then we're gonna go outside. Then we're gonna come in for a snack. Then we're gonna go throughout the house and do some chores. Then we'll come together for lunch. Then we'll have some playtime or craft time or whatever it is that we want to do with our day. Mm -hmm. And then maybe some movement activities as a family and then quiet reading and dinner time. So, um, yeah, so I'd say balance is really important. Nice. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, with kids, there's so much we can do. I mean, <laughs> there's so much variety of activities and yes. fun and, and movement outside, inside, in your opinion, what are the ones that we should be really prioritizing just because you know we want our kids to develop we want to give them the best tools possible so they can succeed in life um so in your experience what are the ones that you would prioritize to really set them up to excel and get the edge i guess over their competition eventually yeah i'd say there are three things to think about the first is what do i know works for my family already so we all sort of know each other's biorhythms, right? Yeah. We know if someone's a late sleeper or an early riser. We know if someone likes to scarf down their lunch or sit there for an hour. So first of all, I'd say 
really paying attention to those and letting those things be. So notice what your family needs. Notice what your family already thrives on. Prioritize those. Mm. Um, the second is play. Play is the place where young children especially, but this is true for even teenagers, middle schoolers, even adults. Um, play is the place in which we are able to be our most creative. Um, we can think without any bounds. There, there are no rules. There are no right answers. Um, we get to explore. It's multidisciplinary. It's, um, it's complex. It's rich. Um, so prioritizing play, making lots of space for play in your child's day is important. And then the third is movement. Movement is so critical right now. I myself am super struggling with the fact that I can't go to the gym. I used to go to the gym three days a week, and it was something I really relied on to feel good, get the endorphins flowing, have a great night's sleep, um, you know, keep my body feeling healthy and limber. Um, but man, I've recognized that in this crazy time we're in right now that I'm just not moving as much. I'm doing a lot of work from the couch and then I move to the kitchen to make lunch and then I go back to the couch to do more work. You know, I'm not, I'm not getting around. I'm not, um, you know, running lots of errands and, and getting outside. And so it really takes some active uh, attention to get myself to go outside and move. And kids need that way more than adults. So prioritizing movement, I think, is absolutely critical. And fun. Fun is the other thing. It's like pair those things together. Pair fun and movement together. It helps us process stress. Movement and fun will keep our bodies healthy and strong. It the chemicals that start flowing through us counteract the feelings of sadness and fear that we all are experiencing right now. And they also, they bring the family close together and do create that sense of safety we were talking about earlier. Yeah, for sure. Actually, now that you, you mention it, something that comes to mind is when my daughter is going through those episodes of, you know, feeling insecure, you mentioned something that you think she would like, and it's just, a light turns on and she's like, Ooh, that's fun. I forgot about being sad. And then she's yeah. again, huh? So, so really prioritizing the fun movement, getting them around, creating that space for, for the intelligence and for the creativity to just bubble up and, and have them express themselves in whatever way they, they do best. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. And, and when we're having fun and when we're moving, there are different parts of our brain that are being activated than when we're still, we're stressed out, we're focusing on what's, you know, not good in the world, what's not working. There are very different neural pathways that are turned on and turned off. And so movement and fun and togetherness as a family activates all the right stuff, which then boosts our good emotions, it boosts our creativity, it boosts our ability to problem solve and, you know, decide what to do with our boredom. Um, it's kind of, I think, I think it's kind of the perfect pill. <laughs> yeah. Fun. No, definitely. I think we could all use a bit of that right now. Um, mm -hmm. and, and laughter. Oh my God. The power of yes. laughter. 
Precisely. Right. And I guess another question I would have mm-hmm. is for parents, especially the ones that I, I deal with and I see a lot, screen times. Oh, yes. So parents nowadays are letting kids watch like YouTube or, or on the computers. Um, is this something that's good for them? Is it bad? I mean, obviously there are educational shows. What's your take on that? And how can we leverage that technology to really help our kids develop? Mm-hmm. The answer is so complex. And the reason is, is because never in our history have we had more information about our media use. So there's tons of research that's coming out right now that we're all trying to process and understand, okay, what does this mean? What is this? How am I supposed to use this when it comes to my family um, and their use of screens and devices? The other thing is that the things that we have and are exposed to right now are unlike anything we've ever had before. So we're trying to catch up with our research and there's a lot that we know. So First is that young children especially do best away from screens. Hmm. So screen time for them can be, um, it can be stressful. It can turn off all of those, um, you know, creative parts of their brain that really make them, um, you know, industrious during their play. And it's, screens aren't as uh, sort of relaxing and um, nourishing as maybe they are for adults with young children. So limiting screen time as much as possible for young kids is important. Then if you do have screen time, the more interactive that screen time is, the better. Mm -hmm. So playing games that you're really, um, you just sort of sit back or you take these things in or watching shows where you just sit back and take in the information is less beneficial than something like FaceTiming with family. Hmm. Um, You know, it's interactive. There's this social aspect to it. It's, It's calling on us to be a participant in the screen time rather than a passive recipient of that screen time. So something where they're, you know, brains are activated, their language is activated. Um, I like, I like some of those games where, uh, like the, the dancing where you have to like match your movements to, you know, something on a screen. That's good. Those are great. Um, so the more interactive, the better. Yeah. And, um, and then the third thing I was going to say, there's been some really fascinating research that came out pretty recently that has shown when kids, this is kind of older kids, maybe if you've got a middle schooler or something who um, is given access to their computer, their device, whatever it is, if you just sort of let them have complete free reign and play and play and play these games or, you know, whatever, most kids at some point will get bored of that because screens and devices as entertaining as they are they just don't give us all of the things that we innately need and eventually they'll start to get bored with those things and they'll want something else or they want they'll want something more so if you've got a middle schooler at home and 
you know, you're looking at the calendar and realizing that we're going to have weeks, if not months at home. If you give them this time to just like relax your rules around screen usage, it's going to be okay. It's probably going to be okay. And maybe if they don't get there on their own, after a week or two, you can start to put some rules in place and um, help them along in balancing their day with screen time versus non-screen time. It's funny you bring that up. It's because in my personal experience, my daughter will, will watch it for maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes, and then she'll just throw it away. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, that was weird. Why did she yeah. do that? There are times where, you know, I, I love that whole, you know, in-breath and out-breath and really in that calming time where she needs to sit down and not do anything, we, we give it to her, guilty, you know. Um, but we don't do it with the intent to give it for more than, you know, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, and she'll get to a point where she says, I don't want this anymore. That's awesome. That's and, wonderful. And it's, it's good that you bring up two to make it interactive because we are very selective in what we, we show her. You know, there, mm -hmm. there are videos where people are playing with Play-Doh and we have Play-Doh in front of her. Oh, those you are know? fun. Yeah, but the flip side to that, yes, it's very interactive. And she's using her creative powers to say, mommy, daddy, make me this baby shark. And I want the entire <laughs> family of baby shark made for me. And, and when you're done, she wants another one. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Well, she set up a good system there. She knows what she's up to. Oh, yeah. She also knows how to uh, give work to people already. So it's a uh, it's really interesting. Um, and goes back manager. to the point where they are little human beings, right? They are little adults. So it's good to know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you for all that great information. Um, how do we get in touch with you, Nina? Like this is really good information that I think people will probably want to know more of. So, so what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'd say the place that I am the most accessible and the most active is in my private Facebook group which is Raising Young Children with Trust. And it's a community of parents, caregivers, teachers, um, all facilitated by me. And we, um, we share ideas with one another, we share resources, we have conversations, we ask questions. Um, and it's all about really grounding ourselves in a practice of remembering what young children need what to give them that helps them thrive. And, um, and it's support, you know, we, we support one another. It's, it's a place where people can unload their frustrations, um, solicit new ideas. So joining me there is, would, would be great. Nice. And so if I join there and it sounds like a pretty cool community, do I get stuff like, you know, daily tips or anything like that on how to deal with my family? Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. So I share uh, at least weekly videos. I've been trying to go live uh, more recently and offer my advice. But yeah, currently I'm offering daily tips that can help your family navigate this crazy time we're in where we're stuck at home and stressed out about the world. And um, yeah, and I'm just sharing lots of resources where you can go find more information from other experts on how to deal with everything we're going through. Awesome. And I guess, well, after this, I think I'm part of the group, but I'm going to definitely, whoever's listening to this, please join. Her group is awesome. Uh, <laughs> and I get so much value out of it because there are the, the daily tips that come out. I implement right away with my kids. 
or with my kids, right. sorry, I only have one right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we can contact you through the Facebook group. Um, we can email you. I'll try to put that in the, in the description below. Uh, for those of you who are listening on podcast, um, it'll be somewhere on the YouTube video. Um, so I'll put all the details there. And Nina, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it was so awesome to get all this wisdom from you. And it's so kind of you to give this, such awesome value to us parents who are just trying to navigate their way through this whole, you know, transition of change. Um, so I really want to say thanks again. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, thank you. This is a real honor. I, I know how many families are out there right now struggling and having a hard time balancing everything they're going through. And so it's just really rewarding to be able to serve them right now. And so, yeah, in addition to connecting me, connecting with me on Facebook, I just want to say that if there are parents out there who need some more targeted support, more individualized support, I'm also available for coaching sessions and they can get in contact with me via my email or my website as well, which awesome. I think you'll share. So. And I will put that on the description. I will share that with everybody. So thanks again, Nina. Um, it was awesome. And we look forward to the next time. Yeah. Thank you so much and right. be well. Thanks. You too. <laughs> I do what I believe. And what I believe is that everyone holds a story that can help someone else. Through coaching, I'm able to lead conversations, dig deep, and elicit personal experiences that lead to eye-opening insights. If you want more of this and learn from some of the most incredible people on this planet, go to coachalexlin.com slash connect the dots.